It's a look at the Great Commission found here in Matthew 28. Join us. Times of Refreshing next. When you use the word commissioning, you usually think of maybe a great painting or uh, we've commissioned a Senate hearing. It's something amazing, something grand. Well, Jesus uses this word as well here in Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. We, you and I as believers in Christ, have been commissioned commissioned to do what, you might say? Well, whatever it is, it's great because we call it the Great Commission. And that's what we're focusing on as we close out the week here today on Times of Refreshing. Here's Pastor Napoleon in Matthew chapter 28. You know, one of the things that has happened sometimes within the context of local churches is that we think that everything is designed just to benefit the church. The church has basically, um, let me say this right, three spheres that we are to impact, okay? Number one, when it comes to ministry, our first responsibility is to minister to God as a church. We minister to the Lord. We, we serve him. We minister to him. And our worship is a big part of that. As a church community, our job is to make sure that everything we're doing here, that Jesus is blessed, that he is pleased, that he is being worshipped, that he is being adored, and that is designed, everything is designed primarily for him, to bless him. And that's why we sing songs. Some people come sometimes and it's, they don't understand that this aspect of the ministry, and I say this all the time, is the most important aspect of it. Because our job, number one, is to minister before God or minister to God. Now, understand that right now, every day for the rest of eternity, God has, he has angels he has the cherubim, the seraphim, the 24 elders. Every day you read the book of Revelations and they, they are worshiping him every day. Right. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. So understand that this is the context of that God is trying to create here for us this aspect of worship. Because when you get to heaven, saints, you're not going to be, you know, working like on a job that's going to be your job to worship him forever amen and you're going to enjoy the streets of gold and all the other stuff but understand that everything is about worshiping God and so we do that so as a church our first ministry is to the Lord okay number two we minister to each other People come in these doors, and you know this, they have, people have problems, they have issues, things going on. And I'm not just talking about the stuff without, I'm talking about the conditions within. And so God, when we, when we get here, God wants us to help people to get better at life, at walking with him, in their journey with God. And so we minister to each other. The problem is sometimes you can, we, we can get so consumed with just ministering to each other that we forget 
our third ministry, which is to get out here and minister to a dying world. Okay? And so Jesus here has ministered to his disciples. He's prepared them. He has died. He is resurrected. And he has, the, he has gotten them to a place where they understand the value and the power of not only serving one another, but now he's getting ready to commission them, release them to get out into their spheres of influence and have impact. Somebody say impact. And it's our job to have impact. The church is fine. We, 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 there's aspects. Of, I love this. This is great. But the real work and the dirty work is how are we being effective and our spheres of influence outside of the church. We have to ask ourselves, how are we getting out and ministering to people? Stop just thinking it's about coming, ministering in here. This is great. Praise God for this. But every day, you and I are around individuals that we need to minister to and to help them to hear the gospel so that they can give their life to God and be saved and God can do something dynamic in their life. Can I have an amen, y'all? So Jesus is here, Matthew 28, verse 16. And he says here in verse 16, Then the eleven disciples, Jesus is risen from the dead. And it says, Then, Je then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. It says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Now, I want to stop here because it's, it's important that we understand there is, there is something very sinister that can happen in our hearts where we worship God, but we still have a lifestyle of doubt in areas of our life. So they worshiped him. It says, but some of them doubted. And I think it's important that we understand Jesus wants to break that off of us. Because in, in, Mark, in Mark chapter 16, Jesus rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. It wasn't just that they doubted. Mark says that in this situation that he rebuked them, their unbelief and hardness of heart. We have to understand that Jesus is risen from the dead. And that he, and you're going to see this, he has authorized you to go out as a representative of the kingdom and to share your faith. But we got to get out of this doubt and unbelief. This fear that comes over us that causes us to, to not share what we know to be true concerning his resurrection. Concerning his death, burial, and resurrection, and concerning who Jesus Christ really is. There's a doubt that can come over a person's life, and there's a fear and an insecurity in the relationship that causes people not to want to share their faith. They can talk about the Raiders. You can have a long conversation with them about the Warriors and Steph Curry. But if you ask them about Jesus, even though they are believers or worshipers or churchgoers, that conversation gets a little thin. 
And we have to break that off of ourselves and allow God to get us to a place where where we are truly worshipers, but we're also believers. That we believe who he is and we're not doubting concerning his resurrection and we understand the power that he possesses. So it says here that some of them doubted. Mark said that Jesus rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. And then it goes down to verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on the earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He says, Amen. This is the great commission. This is the mission. And this is Jesus dispatching them to go forth into the world to share the gospel. He says in verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on the earth. This is powerful because Jesus was, Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. Now understand as our kinsman redeemer, He became a man so that he can fully and completely represent man in the earth and be a representative of man while also maintaining the fact that he also is God. So the Bible calls him the God-man. He knows how to fully represent God because he's God. And because he became a man, he fully understands and knows how to represent man because he became man. And so he has become our representative on the right hand of the Father. He becomes the representative of humanity. He knows he has been Uh, The Bible says he can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And he he was tempted in all points, but yet without sin. He understands what you and I are going through. He became a man so he could fully understand and represent man as man's kinsman redeemer. And so God has given him the name. God our Father has given him the name that is above every name. And and allows him, now watch this y'all, and has given him authority to function in the earth and to govern and rule. The Bible says the government is on his shoulders. Understand that all the authority has been given to him in heaven, he says, and on the earth. As the God man, he knows exactly what to do in your situation. There's nothing that you have done or nothing that you're going through that he cannot identify with. In the sense of you being a human being and going through, oh, I had problems and I had troubles. Well, he had problems, he had troubles. Well, I, 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 experienced, I experienced, I almost died. Well, he did die and then he rose again. I mean, the list goes on and on in terms of him being able to identify with you. He understands what you're going through. But at the same time, you cannot forget his divinity. There's an aspect of him that obviously is different from us because he's God. And he is omniscient. He is omnipotent. 
omnipresent. We understand all the dynamics of his makeup. So when he stands and he says, all authority has been given to me, we have to understand from our standpoint that he is now the one who is the creator. The one who has all authority has now authorized me to go forth. So it doesn't matter where I go. If I have been authorized, my job is to function on his behalf and to be bold as a lion. The problem that we have sometimes is when it comes to sharing our faith, we're so consumed with what man is going to say about what we're saying. And so we try to covertly share things. Or in some cases, we're just outright afraid. But I always go back to this. I'm willing to say this because I know the person that has asked me to say it, he has all authority. He has all authority. So they may say something, but if he's happy with what I'm saying, it doesn't matter what they say. Because he knows how to deal with that. And so for us, it's important that we get this boldness about us when it comes to sharing our faith. Because the devil is bold about sharing through people what he believes. Can I have, can I have an amen, y'all? The devil has no problem talking about Christianity, getting people to badmouth Christianity. Sometimes my Twitter account is crazy because I'll say something about God and because I'm on there preaching and stuff. And I'm on there talking about God, different things like that. And then out of nowhere, somebody that's an atheist or somebody that's a, you know, uh, a pervert or something will come and start attacking me. And I'm like, wait a minute, how did you even find me? You're not even following me. But then they want to fight on there. And I'm like, I'm not going to be fighting with you on here. But at the same time, it's amazing how the enemy wants you to shut up. But you have to know that all authority has been given to my, my Lord and Savior, my kinsman redeemer, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, the bright and morning star, the prince of peace. Can I have an amen? That if all authority has been given to Jesus and he's telling me that I have been authorized, then who am I to be afraid of? Why should I be afraid to share my faith? Why should I be afraid to brag about God and to talk about the gospel? But what happens is people get overtaken with, with fear because they don't understand this aspect of who he is. He said, all authority, in verse 18, has been given to me in heaven and in earth. And so now when you function, understand that the person who has authorized you, he has authority in heaven but he also has it in the earth. The problem is we think he has just authority in heaven. We confine the Lord to just this heavenly realm. Instead of realizing when you walk into your job, Jesus is walking with you. Can I have an amen? No, we want to be smart and wise and we want to be led by the Spirit of God. But we want to be led by the Spirit of God. And that means that sometimes I have to overcome my emotions and the feelings and the thought of somebody rejecting me because I'm sharing my faith. Go back to this point. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on the earth. 
And so as a representative of the Lord, I want to be able to share who I am. People have to get out of this covert Christianity. Well, I don't want to be pushy. Well, they just asked you to go to club all to the club all boldly. Why don't you ask them to go to church boldly? Can I have an amen, y'all? Can I have an amen? They just invited you to the club and to some drinks and to some, you know. Come on, let's get out and have. And but, but well, um, um, would you like to go to church? Can I have an amen, y'all? Why are they bold and unashamed, but then we're, we're, un, we're ashamed? Because we don't understand that he has authority in heaven and in the earth. And that, it, that, you're, that you are representing the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so there's a boldness that should come upon all of us when we realize this aspect of his person and who he is in our lives. And it, and it should cause us to lift up our voice a little. I'm not saying that we become obnoxious. That we act like we have something to prove. Because we don't. But there is a place where people should know where your line is. And who you stand for. And what you stand for. Can I have an amen? And asking you that kind of question should make them feel a little uncomfortable. Because they know that this person, that's a woman of God. That's a man of God. They're not going to get involved in that. The enemy will test you. And he will test your resolve to see if you're willing to stand up for righteousness. It's like, hey, you want to go to church? Yeah, I got a great church. I love my church. We praise God. We're not ashamed of the gospel. We'll talk about Jesus Now, we don't have to talk about Jesus all day, but if you want to talk about Jesus, I'm here. Let's go, baby. We can talk all day. I love it. We can do it. There's a boldness about you, and then there's an awareness with people, and they understand that this person right here really, really does love God. They're not playing around. All authority has been given to the Lord, and then he says, go, therefore. Look what he says in verse 19. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I want to stop here. He says, go therefore. Or because of this, go. You have the revelation that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. Now he's dispatching you to get out into, into the community and have impact. This is the great commission. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I love this because it, it basically just tears down the barriers. He said of all nations. Go therefore, he says, and make disciples. The word disciple means discipline follower. It means discipline. Discipleship involves a discipline. Doesn't involve just you coming to church. Now, you come to church, and my job as the pastor of this church is people come, and as we go and get people, is to help to disciple them, to get them to embrace the teachings of the Lord, to submit to those teachings of the Lord, and then to become disciplined. 
in, their, in the instructions of the Lord. So now, now discipleships, you become a disciple of Jesus. You become a follower of Jesus, but someone that's disciplined in your, in your following his principles and precepts and desires and will becomes your lifestyle now. A lot of times people come to church and they're church attenders, but they're not disciples. They haven't, now watch this y'all, they haven't submitted themselves to the discipleship process. Discipleship is a process. All of us, I just went to my hometown. We're driving through the home, my hometown and taking my wife and my kids by you know, the apartment buildings I lived in and various things. And as I'm driving, I could just remember like what I was doing in those times and how I was thinking in those times and what I was going through. So my mind is just like, wow, I remember I was, you know, and stuff I didn't even verbally communicate to my family as we're going, but this in my mind, I'm just thinking about how I was thinking and and how, you know, you start going back on your life and seeing how many ways God had mercy on you. Mm. How he had mercy on you. Had so much mercy. And then, and then, so you're going through this. Well, when you come to Christ, remember, when you come to Christ, even though Jesus is forgiven you of your past, your past still comes through the door with you. And we have to be detoxed from our past. Can I have an amen, y'all? You don't just get saved and forget everything. <laughs> you don't just forget ever all the junk, all the mess, all the stuff you got into. You don't just, voila, whoo, I'm new in Christ. <laughs> no, voila, I'm new in Christ, but now Christ needs to clean me up because I, I got some stuff down in here that God's got to get me out of. Well, there's a process. Somebody say process. It's called discipleship. Jesus has all authority. He sends you and he says, go therefore and make disciples. He doesn't just say preach. He says make disciples. Preaching is part of it. But he's saying make disciples. That is a process. God has to detox you from the stuff that you come out of. And that process can, sometimes it could be a joy. Sometimes it could be a real pain when God is trying to take your pride away. And you like your pride. And you like telling people to get out of your face. And you like it when you, you're bossy McGrossy. And God's saying, <laughs> and God's saying, look, I got to take you bossy because I'm the boss. Can I have an amen, y'all? I got to take you. I got to clean you up. And God starts to detox you. And then you, we go through this process of discipleship. Somebody say discipleship. So we have people that come to the church. You're giving your life to God. Now there's a process of discipleship where you come to Sunday morning and you get your teaching. You go to Welcome to Christian Living. You get involved in the rock school, in the school of worship, and you serve. You start to get, go through this process where God starts to reprogram your mind to start thinking like him. And your flesh is crying out saying, no, 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 no. I like that aspect. 
The devil's saying, you need to keep that because nobody's going to talk to you like that. And, and then the devil starts egging you on, and you have to learn how to surrender. Discipleship is about surrendering also. You give up, and you let God have his way, and then God starts to change you. And the new you becomes his masterpiece. A production of the Well Christian Community, this has been Times of Refreshing with our teacher and pastor, Napoleon Kaufman. As we close out our time together today, we trust and pray our time together has encouraged you in Christ, has encouraged you in your walk and relationship with Him. If it has, we'd love to hear from you. Now, there are a couple of ways you can get a hold of us. By phone, of course, the easiest, 925-292-7800. Again, you can reach us at 925 925- Two nine two seventy eight hundred. You're also welcome to write to us. Address your envelope to the Well Christian Community, twenty three thirty three Neeson Drive. That's here in Livermore, California. The zip code nine four five five one. Of course, you can always stop by our website. You can learn all about us at thewellchurch.net. That's thewellchurch.net. You can even take advantage of a few links, one of which will take you to our Facebook page. Or if you're on Facebook, simply look for The Well Christian Community. Don't forget, as you visit our website, take a moment and drop us an email. Let us know you paid us a visit. You can also follow Pastor Napoleon, by the way, on Twitter. His address, at Napoleon Kaufman. All one word, at Napoleon Kaufman. We thank you for spending time with us again today and look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue looking at God's Word for times of refreshing. Until then, may Jesus Christ be highly exalted in your life and may He bring you a peace that passes all understanding.